You must not know a lot of bears. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast. This is the greatest podcast you'll ever hear in your entire life. My name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there, neither is Jeff. Uh, Go to iTunes or go to Apple Podcasts, uh, rate and review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Uh, This is the episode where. We, uh, we start with our Fearless Beer Review, then we uh, get into our vinyl pickups, leads into our songs of the week, and then we finish it up with some new music and other happenings in the music world. Now, Jeff, let's just get right into it because intros are boring, and uh, let's start with our Fearless Beer Review. What do you got? Go. I have a Stella, a Stella Artois. Ah, so, so boring. Yeah, they were on sale, though. So Okay. It was a 12-pack of cans or bottles, and it was $9. Okay, that's, that's that's actually not bad at that's all. That's really cheap. Yeah, that's that's very cheap. And it was limit <laughs> two per customer, and I tried to buy a lot, and they're like, "We take it very seriously." I couldn't buy any more than two. Cocks, <laughs> fucking idiots! I would have bought all of them. I don't really like this beer that much, but I like fucking seventy-five a cents beer. a pop. Like that's that's not bad. So yeah, I bought one twelve twelver of bottles and one twelver of cans, and they, I know everybody. It's you know. Uh, it's big beer. It's owned by an Bush and whatever. It's cheap. So I don't care. That was good. Yeah, that was a good impression. I don't have a big tall glass though, and then like a knife to scrape off the foam. So I'm drinking out of a can tonight. Wait, it's in a can? Yeah, I bought I bought one pack of cans and one pack of bottles, and I wanted to see which one tasted better. Huh. Interesting. Okay. It's a fun little experiment there. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm like Bill Nye, the <coughs> beer experimenter guy. Fucking Bill Nye. A cuck. I hate Bill Nye. You hate him for no reason. No, he's not a scientist. Well, he never said he was. He just... I know. That's well, that's fine. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know, I uh, know. So anyway, I have uh, I have something from a brewery called Wild, Wild Barrel in San Marcos, California. Ooh. And uh, this one is called Peace, Love, and Hazy IPA. Has a, a girl on the front, picture like a painted picture, and all the peace signs are there. The colors are bright, hearts are everywhere, and uh, she's holding up a peace sign. It's a cool little label. I pretty much, that's pretty much why I picked it up because I don't know. It looked nice. It just looked nice. Okay. And it's a hazy, so uh, it's eight percent. Got a sixteen ounce can. It's like five dollars for this one can. So <laughs> yeah, it's a little pricey, and I just you know. As the as the song was going, the intro song was going. I hadn't opened this beer yet, but then I dropped it and it landed all over my computer. Did it really? But yeah, it, it, I surprised like nothing glitched on the computer. Like it didn't hit any Fucking important buttons. Drop everything! Like what is with <laughs> you? All you do is drop stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad it was not open because that would have been, oh, that would have been devastating. Disastrous. Yeah, truly devastating. But. Anyway, uh, yeah, you ready to just 
get into this and yeah, take already, a sip? Yeah, I already cracked mine. I'm going to sip it. Okay. Here we go. Okay. 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 All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. This um. So, what, what do you think of your Stella? Even I've, though you've uh, had it before. Yeah, I've had this before. I last time I rated it was January of 2020. Okay. So over a year ago, and I gave it's it a, a two point two five. I think it's a little bit all low. Right. A little bit low. Um, yeah, for that. On, on, for, yeah, that's really low. On untapped, I I I'm gonna hit it just at just right at a three. This is a three. On untapped. On our scale, the better scale, the scale that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like this is like a one seven five. One seven five. Okay. Yeah. So you would never go back to it. No, I'll go back to it. I mean. So then you give it a two. Okay. So people who only aren't aware, I got it on discount what? though. So. Like at full price, I'm not. I'm never going to go back. But to we're this. talking. But we're talking. But we're talking about taste and stuff like that. We're not. We're not talking about price. Oh, well. There's some beers out there that I would love to drink, but they're a little too pricey for me. Oh my god, dude! Well, if you, if you don't know, people listening, we have a three point rating system where three is a perfect beer, two is a good beer, you're going to continue to drink. One is a bad beer, but you should give it a shot, and zero is a drain pour. But you gave this a one point seven five. That doesn't just doesn't make sense to me. I'll do one point eight. I'll do one point eight. I never, I never drink two. Stella. I don't even know where. I'm looking at the picture right now on my Untapped, and I don't even know where that picture is. It's clearly a draft, but I don't, I don't recognize it. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck I had that. So I don't drink Stella. I don't think it's that great. It's okay. I mean, like this is there have to be nothing else on draft at a place for me to order Stella, because it's not that great, and yeah. it's always more expensive would, than everything else. Would you rather have a regular Heineken, not a Heineken light, a regular Heineken? Yes. Or really over yeah. over Estella? Yeah, interesting. Okay, I mean I would too, but okay, all right. I I mean I think I would give Estella too. It's it's a solid beer. I don't know what you're so fussy about. It's always expensive. It's always yeah, like the price expensive. of a Guinness, and like, come on, Stella, come on, come on. And this okay. can's only eleven point two ounces. It's not even like a full twelve ounce. Ah, it's a bitch can. Fucking Belgiums. It's a bitch. <laughs> Those Belgiums. <laughs> all right so so my beer my peace love and hazy ipa from wild barrel uh brewery i'm gonna i'm gonna give this one i'm just gonna give this one a solid two i i'd go back to it but it's not the best hazy i've ever had not the best ipa i've ever had but it's uh it's good it's it's a little bit pricey so i don't know how often i'll i'd ever buy it again but if i was at the brewery at this particular brewery in san marcos I get it on draft, for sure. It's good. It's <laughs> solid. So a solid two for me out of three. Two out of three for me. Um, yeah. Do we got any? Oh, I checked on Beer Advocate. My beer is not even on Beer Advocate. It's Dang. not even logged in there. So yeah. So there's there's nothing from Ra- from Raul, unfortunately. So nothing I'm, to read. I'm today. sure my I'm sure Raul has drank a Stella and reviewed it at one point. Maybe yeah. I can't imagine how many reviews are on there for Stella. Must be so many. But <clears throat> anyway, so are we ready to, to, to keep drinking and get into our vinyl pickups and stuff? Did you know that Stella at one point was like nicknamed Wife Beater? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I guess like <laughs> something in, in, in like the UK, it, it was it was called as or it was like referenced as the Wife Beater beer or something like that. 
And clearly, mm. when when they got bigger, they wanted to distance themselves from that that title. But why is this a wife beater beer? Like, what is that? Yeah. What, the, what the fuck? That makes no sense. That's really strange. It must have it must have been back in the day like a really cheap beer in England. Like it must have been the equivalent to like a Keystone or something like that. I mean, it's been around since the twenties, so this beer is pretty old. Yeah. Dang, this beer's almost a hundred years old. Nineteen twenty-six. That's pretty fucking old. That's crazy. This beer right in my hand. Oh, that particular one, yeah. Yeah, and it, that's probably why you rated it at one point eight. Hmm. That's right. It's cheap. It's right. So, I did check. Uh, our boy Raúl did not leave a, a, a review for Stella on Beer Advocate. How do you check so but fast? I just hit Control F, and then I type in Roll. Oh, that that stands for Control F stands for Control really fast checks. It's like the fine fee. It's the fine feature. Mm. Mm. So, on any computer, but that's fine. Mm. Um, so yeah, but there are over, there are over sixteen hundred reviews of Stella Artois on Beer Advocate. Like when you put a review up at after like a thousand, like why? Why are you putting a review? <laughs> What's the up? point? You know, like why? You, you, you trying to just like belong to something? Like you think someone's yeah. gonna fucking read it? Like, come on, that's dude. true. That's a very good point. There's over there's almost six thousand ratings, but Ugh. yeah, review wise, that's just it's silly boy like, talk. Like, just, just get over yourself. Nobody cares about what you're fucking gonna write. It's true, especially for a beer like this. Nobody cares about what we're, what we're even gonna say. So like, that's you know, who cares? That's a good point too. Who gives a and we actually have people who listen. A bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so a couple days ago. On our Twitter, some guy uh, <clears throat> tagged us on on one of his posts, and he oh, fuck. Let me bring it up real quick. He was talking shit on us. Should have been prepared. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't talking shit on us because he listened, and he, he apparently he enjoys the show because he listened. But damn it, where the yeah, fuck? yeah? If anyone's talking shit, we didn't talk shit on him for sitting through all this fucking bullshit. Idiot. He said, "This is a country fiddle," or his his, his tag name or his fucking name on Twitter is Texas Shoehorn. <laughs> and uh, and he put, you guys said that, and I was surprised because you generally seem to know what you're talking about. But yeah, the 80s actually had some quality grunge, old Soundgarden, mud. Wait, no, that was the, that was his reply to me. Sorry, my bad. This is what he originally said. He said, guys, grunge did not start with Nevermind. It started with Green River and then Mud Honey. Touch me, touch me, I'm sick. From 1988 was the first grunge hit. And then and then I replied to him, you know, just be nice. And I just th- said thanks for listening. And then he replied back saying, you guys said that and I was surprised because you generally seem to know what you're talking about. But yeah, the 80s actually had some quality grunge. Old Soundgarden, Mud Honey, Melvin's, Green River, Mother Love, Mother Love Bone, etc. Now, now I know this guy's an idiot because like, if he thinks we know what we're talking about, then he is, he is even dumber than he thinks he is. Literally no idea what I'm talking about half the time. 60% so of the time. 80% of the time. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot to tell you about that a couple of days ago. <laughs> but he, he that that second reply actually just came in today. He just replied today, so I didn't even see that till right now. But oh, that's, that's fine. I I honestly don't remember us saying that Grunge started with Nevermind. We we were probably doing the Nirvana episode, and we were just yeah, like, that's what I'm thinking. We were just like gushing over it, and it just probably came out at some point. Yeah, because I, I replied back and I said, yeah, I don't remember either of us saying that, but maybe it was just we were just talking about it. that's like when it became that's when it blew up. You know, that's when it just was in the mainstream was because of Nevermind. Yeah. So, but obviously, yeah, Nirvana, even Nirvana was around in the late eighties, you know? So yeah. it's like, of course, Nevermind wasn't the first silly boy talk. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, should we get into the to some new vinyl? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. What do you yeah. got then? You ready for this? Mm-hmm. So I I um I picked up this one a while ago. Piss me off. Yeah, the, all these. Well, half of these are gonna make oh. you mad. That's so I, I picked up this one a while ago for ten bucks. This was like an offer up thing, and I ended up knowing the person, and I, I gave her ten dollars because she, she was give it to me, but I felt bad because I tried to like shyster her a little bit. I tried low baller. <laughs> Fucking. So I, I ended up giving her ten dollars for uh, Kill 'Em All, Metallica's Kill 'Em All. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really give her ten dollars. I just bought beer. I, I I bought the beer that I know she liked as like a gift. Who was this? It's uh, it's our neighbor's niece, and okay. She's she's a little bit younger than us, and she's kind of like an aspiring guitarist, and she's really fun to hang out with and stuff. Her name's Ronnie. She's really cool, but okay. uh, she was getting rid of a bunch of stuff, and I tried to lowball her, then I realized who she was, and I thought that was really awkward. And oh, I remember you telling me about this girl. Yeah, so whatever. But yeah, um, yeah Kill Em All. That's, uh, I got that, and it's it's fantastic. It's good. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's supposed to. I mean, it sounds like... The other two, it sounds like Master, and then it sounds like Ride the Lightning. Maybe not as bad as Ride the Lightning, but it sounds fine. I don't think it sounds bad in any way. I think it sounds. I think it sounds adequate. Okay. Well, I mean, sonically, none of those three records, or even first four records, are that great. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. But Kill 'Em All's always like been super raw, regardless. Yeah, I can't believe it took you so long to get it. It's because weird. it's always almost like twenty twenty five dollars. Oh, fuck, that's so expensive, yeah. Yeah, I want to get it for cheap, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I also participated in the Record Store Day stuff, mm-hmm. and I got a couple things. One, I got Census Fail, their album Let It Enfold You. Okay. Classic, classic album. This was uh, this was like yeah. $22, $23. It wasn't that expensive. And that's cheap for RSD. And so was the other one I got too. But they, uh, yeah, the Census Fail one wasn't very expensive. Even with tax, it was like $24. And it's on a nice, like, colored variant. And it's just, it sounds fantastic. It's got a cool, like, OB strip on the left and a lot of cool, like, hype stickers all over it. So it's a good purchase. Like, it was, you, there was a lot of bang for your buck with this one. Mm-hmm. And it sounds absolutely fantastic. It sounds so good. I cranked it up to 11. And, like, I just, I had a blast with it. I listened to it. A lot of times already, and I really like this album. I think this album is damn near perfect, and we're gonna see this band this year. Oh, that's right, yeah, that's right. So familiarize yourself so we can sing along, and we'll have a good time. <laughs> I mean, I've heard the record several times. I've heard the record. Fuck, it's I a good record. It's a it's a good record. It's a good record, but I wouldn't. I would never. I don't think I would ever get the vinyl. Yeah, it's not that. Good. I mean, you're not fun enough for it. It's too fun for you. Yeah, seems the, to be the case. The other record store day record that I purchased that day at a store is Alkaline Trios from Heater Infirmary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. I I fucking missed out on it. To be fair, I told okay. you days prior. What? That I was going to the store, that I was going to do it. Yeah, I know. But you never said, like, if you see it, get get it for me. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I yes, like I, I got did. It. You did not. Oi. Oi. But anyway. I couldn't, I couldn't go. I had to work that day. I couldn't do it. But anyway, I did I did pick this up. Fucking guy, dude. Same thing with the with the census fail. It's it's from, it, at the time, it was the, the Vagrant label, the, the record yeah. label. 
And so same thing has the OB strips, got a lot of hype stickers. It's on this really like crimson, dark black variant. Looks yeah. really good. Fits like perfectly with the cover. And so does the census fail one too. It's like on the census fail record on the cover, the guy's looking into like a mirror and in the mirror is like a forest on fire. And the record itself is kind of, it matches perfectly with the fire picture. So those look really good. They put a lot of time into both of these and they both sound fantastic. <laughs> and coming off the coattails of doing from here to infirmary in the pod, it was a good listen. It was a lot of fun. Sure it was. Stuff. It's good stuff. Sure it was. It's good stuff. Pissed I missed out on it, but it's okay, I guess. It'll I pop even up. see it on it'll, it'll pop up. A lot of these people are saying, like, in our final group, a lot of these are, like, on the Record Store Day site, it'll say we're only pressing 8,000 of them. But then if you, like, dig deeper, it says they're actually pressing 15,000, but only 8,000 now. And so a lot of people are thinking oh. they're going to repress it later on. Or, or press more of them or something. Yeah, maybe. I hope that's the case because that's a good way to like combat scalping. No, that's very true. And huh, I wonder if, or maybe they're they're, I don't know what they're doing. I really don't know. I don't know. But it's frustrating that I missed out on it. You'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Yeah. Someday. eBay. eBay. They're going for like they're starting at fifty. Fifty on up. I'm not gonna pay fifty bucks for that. That's a little much. Yeah. Um, another thing I got, this one I got for free. So actually mostly they got for free here. Okay. So yeah, this is, uh, I got Miles Davis in a silent way. This is, this is 1969. This is the one that came out right before bitches brew and was kind of like the real start of his fusion shit that he started doing. And of course, people weren't happy when it came out because it wasn't like traditional. There's too much electric in it. But, uh, <laughs> dude, this is fucking so good. This is, I mean, first of all, it's packed full of big names, right? You got Herbie Hancock on here, Chick Corea, John McLaughlin. And actually, Miles asked John McLaughlin to be on the album. And at the time, John was kind of like unknown. and But he was yeah. a super huge fan of Miles Davis. And it kind of came out of left field. And he was so nervous that he couldn't match anything Miles Davis was doing. And he just kept fucking up. And he just sounded terrible. So, so, so Miles told him, like, dude chill and pretend like you've never played the guitar before and just play something stupid. And that's kind of what? like where it went down to like dumb it down. Don't try so hard, dumb it down, relax and let's play. And I tell you, man, this thing is so good. This is better than bitches brew. This is like the best thing I've ever heard. Miles Davis do. It is and so damn good again? in a silent way. Okay. It is phenomenal. Everything just works so well. It's just, it's almost as if there was just one person in the band and that, that dude like played all the instruments and put down exactly what they imagined in their mind. But now you got like eight musicians that are vibing together so well that it's just, it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. I, it's, it's so hard to find that many musicians that can blend so many different styles and thoughts and ideas together so well. Interesting. I, you know, I've seen, I have seen this album in the wild several times. But I just, but it's always been like twenty five dollars, and I've never, never wanted to drop that money on it. So, but I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I had no idea John McLaughlin played on it. I got, That's I mean, sick. I got, I got crazy lucky with this one. This was a, this was in a lot that I got. That was like a lot of Grateful Dead stuff, and yeah. this is like an older pressing. So this is like on in the condition that mine's in. This goes on discounts for like forty five to fifty five. So it's a, it's, it's a nice, it's nice. It, 
super quiet. It's a good album. It's a good album. Yeah, because on Discogs, the the cheapest copy is twenty two dollars after shipping. I mean, that's 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 not bad. That's Probably not bad. It's, it's really, yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a brand new copy. Like like so. bitches brew is really really good, and this is this is bitches brew, but they just like they didn't try so hard. It just came more natural. Like bitches brew, they clearly tried really hard. They didn't try that hard here. Yeah, it just came very natural and it's. Very subdued. It's very calm. It's very. It's a jazz version of like Bitches Brew, essentially. And that makes it even better. Oh, um, it's so good. I was I'm really so I'm, surprised. I'll probably listen to it before I even buy it. Because why the fuck not? You know. You will I have be Spotify for impressed. Does Does John McLaughlin play on every track, or is it only like one or two? There's not that many tracks, but he definitely plays on most of them, if not all of them. Hmm. Okay, that's good stuff. Cool, I'm I'm stoked. I'm, I'd actually really want one, really want a copy of that. There you go. There you go. So what else you got? Uh, I got another Grateful Dead album. Of course, of course. Like this you don't is, have uh, enough. Okay. Including um, including all of my Grateful Dead stuff, and now all of their side projects that I've been starting to get into. I'm at 28. <laughs> <laughs> you have you have more Grateful Dead stuff than I do, Martin Denny. I mean, Only Denny's by two, though. 26. Oh, my God. That's the same dude, though. That's that's insane. <laughs> it's the same shit with Grateful Dead. It's all the fucking same shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, but Grateful Dead has, like, 15 band members, and they're all in, like, different and not bands, only that, and they all and sound not only that, different. You have, like, you have, like, a bunch of live records, too, on top of it. Oh, those are the best ones. <laughs> fucking idiot. You know, like, like, I read this quote that Jerry Garcia did, because I, I, I still... Jerry... I, I still don't understand like why people idolize Jerry Garcia. It's I don't get it either. Weird, whatever. But there is this quote that I understand why people idolize the Grateful Dead because he says, you know, there are people. Not everyone likes licorice, but the people that do like licorice, they fucking love licorice, and that's like the Grateful mm-hmm. Dead. Not everybody likes Grateful Dead, but the people that do like the Grateful Dead, they fucking love the Grateful Dead. And I am just, I still am just captivated by this band like every time i hear something and it's always their live shit and i think it's because it's because a lot of bands will write a song and they'll play that song live as it sounds on the on an album or they'll change it up for their live performance but then every live performance they do they do the same change that they already did whereas the grateful dead will write a song on the on an album or on, on studio and when they play it live you know, on Friday night, they'll play it differently. And on Saturday night, they'll play it completely differently. And then Sunday night, they'll play it completely differently. And they'll never play mm-hmm. it like that ever again. And it's like a yeah, one-time cool. thing only. So all of the live albums that I have, I've heard the same song over and over and over because I recognize the choruses, but everything else around it is completely different. It's kind of like how the Mars Volta was too when they were still touring. They would play the same songs every night, but then their jams would be different. Almost like... Not every night, but like every week or so, they would the jams would change up, and that's how they would write new music. That's how Omar would write new music was there's, during those jams. There's there's things that the Grateful Dead do also. They to end a song, they they, they sometimes do like codas. They'll come back and then sum up a lot of things, and that's mm-hmm. how some of their songs end. But sometimes to kind of like mess with the crowd or to just get like a different feel. Like on Friday, they'll play, let's just say like Truckin' is a popular song by them. 
like towards the end of truck and usually they'll they'll come back to another part of it and then they'll end the song but some of the shows they would do like friday night and they would not put the code in at the end of it and then saturday night they wouldn't do it and then sunday night out of nowhere they'd finally put that code in that people were waiting for on friday night to complete like a fucking weekend set so like that's, that's so crazy that's the kind of stupid next level shit the grateful dead do <laughs> and i think that's just so interesting and i love it is it is a lot of it like premeditated or is it just like really off the cuff i think it's i think a lot of it is 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 premeditated but i think different shows i've noticed like different live albums i have are kind of led by different band members so sometimes okay. you'll get like like the keyboardist will be more loud or have a lot more solos than normal. And then sometimes the bass player will have a lot more stuff to do. And then, so I think like they take turns kind of leading the band and leading where it goes. Even that whole concept is like very jazz, you know? Yeah. But done in, in a folk rock kind of way. It's so weird. They're, dude, they're, they're incredible. I, I think they're just absolutely incredible. It's so, it's so bizarre how, I don't know. I, I like every time I listen, because the one that I got is called Dead Set. This it's a live album. It's a double, nineteen eighty one, and uh, it's it's part of like a kind of two release set. And this one came out. This was the only album that came out before In the Dark. In the Dark was nineteen eighty seven. So there was like a big gap, but this is like a like a set. There was two different albums that came out. Dead Set, and then I forgot the other one. It was called, but they kind of like go hand in hand. So even though they're two different albums, if you play them together, it's kind of like one four LP live version. God, it's so much. It's but this so is, uh, this is not one of my favorites. It's a little more mellow, a more mellow dead than, than I'm normally, mm-hmm. I normally like it's bluesy, psychedelic and folky, but none of which are fully like developed or on the forefront. It's all, it's all very just subdued. It's, it's cool. And it's, 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 uh, it's very jammy. And the last side of this kicks off with Fire in the Mountain, which was kind of coincide with my weekly pick. This was, that song was actually composed by Mickey Hart, the drummer. And mm-hmm. there's an early instrumental version of that song on Mickey Hart's album, Diga, that you have and I have. But um, Oh, okay, that, that I haven't quite got yet. Yeah. But man, it's just, okay. I love this. It's just, it's rad and I really, I really love it. <laughs> I love okay, it. I... I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. Glad that's you enjoy stuff. it. So what yeah. else you got? So that's my Grateful Dead one, and then I I, I have five more Grateful pick, Deads. Pick of the week is a side project. Oh. No, I got I only got a couple more. It's not a lot, but I got a bunch of blues essentially for free because I mm-hmm. sold a bunch of other stuff. Um, so the first one, Willie Dixon, his album "I Am the Blues." I am the blues. It's a six album, 1970. Uh, it's kind of interesting on this one because if you just go through the track listing, every song there has been covered by some huge band from the 60s and 70s. And okay. like the, the Zeppelin, The Doors, Cream, Jeff Beck, The Stones, like like actually he sued Zeppelin and got money from them because he ripped him off in A Whole Lot of Love. Like that song, when we oh, talked really? about it a long time ago, I don't even remember, but there was controversy yeah, and they got sued. He's the one that sued him because they ripped him off. So interesting. Okay. He's just like, so he's a good guitar player, but he's a phenomenal upright bass player. And this is cool because there's a lot of like bass in this. There's a lot of like blues bass. There's a lot of really great bass lines and they're fucking cool. And usually you don't hear 
a lot of like blues stuff being led, especially when somebody like Willie Dixon, some big name blues artist, it's always very guitar driven. So to have like the bass really loud, really up in the front, it was really fun. And I'm sure he played the upright bass like a guitar almost. Yeah. At least like his, his approach to it. Not obviously like with a pick or anything or a finger style, but no, I'm sure he, he did approach it in a, in a blues guitar way. And he's not even just like a totally different vibe. Like some of these older blues guys that play the guitar, they weren't bad, but they weren't like good. They just they did the same, you know, the the, the walking blues twelve yeah. bar, same thing over and over and over. He's really really good at the bass. So that's okay. that was something I didn't know. That was something that I was very surprised in. But he was a really interesting guy too. Like okay, so he's born born in Mississippi. But mm-hmm. moved to Chi Town in the '30s, wound up in jail for like almost a year because he wouldn't go fight in WW2 because he didn't want to fight for a country that still had like racist laws. And he's like, "Fuck yourself, I'm not fighting." So he locked him up, threw him <laughs> in jail. Big part of like the you know the the blues in the in Chicago at the time. Very interesting yeah. guy. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, Willie I'll- Dixon. But he's so. But he's not considered uh, like a Delta blues because that was because if he grew up in or if he he was really in Chicago, yeah, he wouldn't be part of the Delta, right? Because uh, mm, I've, I've heard of Willie Dixon, but I'm not really familiar with it uh, or his music. You can still. I mean, Chicago kind of had their own style of blues because most, not yeah. most, but a lot of a lot of of these people moved from the South to escape, you know, the harsher Jim Crow laws and stuff in the South, they moved up North and just kind of follow like the Mississippi river and branched off from there. And that's how a lot of like the blues wound up in, in Chicago, like muddy waters and stuff. And these guys went to Chicago and, and did a lot of, a lot of work up there and developed like their own unique style. And then thus, that's why a lot of like rock and roll came out of like Chicago and all these other cities that wouldn't have happened had these people not moved from the South. So they can, I think they can still be considered Delta blues, even though, they didn't get big or play in like the Delta and South yeah. because they came from there. They brought those kind of customs and their family and their friends. So I, I would, I would say so. Okay. I could be totally wrong. Our, our Twitter friend could go tell me I'm a fucking <laughs> idiot. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, it's so gr- good. Green Slade. Remember Green Slade? Uh, yeah. Wait, is, that, that was the record this. I gave you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, okay, yeah, yeah. It, their album is called "Time and Tide." It's their fourth album, nineteen seventy-five. Uh, they really yeah. only did stuff in the seventies. Yeah, they they were a very short-lived band. But this is uh, this is pretty similar to like Sticks, that type of prog rock. It's definitely not mm. as annoying as a Tommy Shaw era of Sticks. <laughs> but it's but it's not as good as the at least the Sticks albums I have. No, I'm well. It's better. Uh, no, I, you're, no I mean, you're right. I, you're right. You're right. The, the Green Slate album wasn't bad, but I like like I was telling you before. It's just I I won't ever go back to it, and I I figured you would appreciate it way more than me. I I like this. I think it's fucking cool. I dig it because it, it does have that stick sound. But like I said, I think Tommy Shaw's like the worst thing to ever happen to Sticks. Even though they got much bigger and much more popular, but he's just. He brought too much. He he brought too much like eighty synth, and there's just garbage. Yeah. But this band is this band is good, and they're really interesting. Like they broke up after this record because they hated their management and record label. But since their record label tried to extort a ton of money to get out of their contract, they just like fuck it. We're just gonna break up then. 
And then like the guys went on to do just a ton of session work. All these guys just split off and did a bunch of session work. And one of them actually did session work for NSYNC many years later. Oh, no shit. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then uh, their early cover art was done by Roger Deem, who we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that, that's I cool. love the cover art. That, that's pretty much what got me to buy that record was the cover art. It's cool. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So, yeah, that, that was really the only reason why I had bought that from Glasshouse. Okay. That's good. I yeah. like it. I, I enjoyed good. it. I'm, so I'm happy with it. I'm glad. Another thing you gave me, not for free, but you gave me, was Magma Contarcas. Contarcas. Ah, yes. yes. What did you think of it? <laughs> yeah, this is their fifth album, 1974. You know, I will say, like, like it's since, dramatic. Since we've gotten into record collecting, like Magma was one of the bands that I put on the list, and I just never found them because I I think they're so unique and just so weird and and out there. Like, there's not, and so just just reading a lot of people bickering on like Reddit subs and everything, and he's like, oh well, Yes is technically better on this, and you know, like King Crimson that drumming is all. But it's like, I get it. Okay, there are other prog bands out there that are better than Magma. But mm-hmm. there's nothing, not one band out there that I know of that sounds like Magma or has like the brand that they do or like the lore, yeah. everything about them. So it's not fair to judge or like compare anybody because Magma is in a class of their own. They're not like, they're prog music, but there's nobody that does it like they do. It's true, yeah. And good or and bad, every, and, it's just fucking weird. And the craziest, craziest thing is that the guy who does it all is the drummer. Like he's he's the only sole member of that band, and he was the guy who created the language. He was the guy who created the band. He he does everything, his, and he's the fucking drummer. His, yeah. I think he's the only one that's been in there the entire time too. Yeah, he he is the only one. And then his wife and fucking is come in out there too. France. I don't, yeah, but I don't know how long she's been in the band. I don't, I don't, I don't think she's been from the very beginning. No, definitely not the very beginning. But I think she's on this album, and I think she just does like vocal work. Yeah, that sounds that's probably right. Yeah. But yeah, like this is and it's just like this is cool. Like that's such a dumb way to describe music because it's so it means nothing really. But like Magma's is cool. They're cool. They are, and I, so I have three Magma records. One of them being that one because I bought it after I got it for you. And out of the three I have, the one that you and I have is my least favorite. It's still amazing, but the way I kind of view it is more of like I kind of see it more as like a like a score to a movie rather than like a conceptual album. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know. Like it's cause there are parts in it that, that just, that don't really make sense within an album. Like it's, it's, there are parts that are just super loud that it's just weird. It, it, it reminds me more of a score than anything else or parts of it too, but it's still solid. And then reading more about it too. Like when we were talking about when I was talking about it, it was it's it's part of a three album <laughs> trilogy like conceptual wise or concept wise and uh yeah it's it's wild it's so good though i think I that makes magma. that makes sense cuz there are parts in there where it's not like like it's dead quiet or anything but it's it almost seems like it's missing something like something else yeah. should be here and i think that i think that makes sense like it's it's setting itself up to be like a sweet like a three part thing isn't this like the yeah. second part too like the first part came out like it, after this or something because they decided yeah, later the on they wanted part, to do it <laughs> that's exactly what it was yeah it, it came out first technically but then it within the trilogy it sits number two 
And there were even parts on the record that were like unsettling almost. They weren't annoying or bad. They were just, they, I don't know, there were just some like high screeching parts and just things on that record that are just, just felt a little weird and unsettling for me. But it's still solid. <laughs> that a they band just, like that can do this. They're just, they're, just they're weird and they're just kind of cool. It's just, yeah. they're in a class of their yep. own. Nobody sounds like them. And you don't need to worry about if they're the best or not because they're the only ones that really do this. <laughs> That's very true. That was like very the big true. thing that somebody kept saying. Like, somebody, actually, somebody brought up like Bill Bruford and it's like, oh, Bill Bruford's one of the best prog rock drummers of all time. And it's like, bro, but like, oh. but like, okay, put him in magma, I guess. Like, is he going to sound weird like that or is he just going to tear it up with some crazy time signatures and f- phenomenal drumming? Like, that's not what magma is about. Yeah. And they do sure. that, but that's not what they're about. And then, re, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more when, when we do the Yes record later. But, you know, there's not a lot concept-wise, at least on, on the album we're doing, Fragile. Uh, and I was a little disappointed by that, like, considering that Yes is, is, like, they are the most successful, outside of Rush, they're the most successful prog band. And, yeah, I, I, just, I just, I was expecting a lot more out of them. Dang. Lyrically, so give, What are you going to give, a 1.5 then? A oh one? no 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 a one no 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 below we'll, a we'll one talk about we'll, we'll talk about it later we'll talk about it later oh yeah so. yeah all right. All right, last so one, what else you got last one before <laughs> my pick <laughs> okay so not the last one but I it's got one, yeah. I got uh, I got Billy Eyelash her her first EP 2017 Don't Smile at Me it's the one with the yellow cover and she's like sitting under a red fucking ladder mm-hmm. or whatever I I got this because it was cheap for one and then um there's there's some songs in here that sound really, really good. And because it was so cheap, I was like, dude, it has to sound phenomenal. Like on vinyl, like it probably is not compressed at all. And it probably sounds really good. And it does. It's, it's very dynamic. It sounds great. And it's, and like the record itself is like brand new. It's super quiet, but like there's so much range and the way she sings on this, I like better than her album when we go to sleep. I th- yeah. it's not it's not like she's not constantly whisper singing there's actual songs here there's structure but above all else like dude the instrumentals are just so killer like her, her brother does such a fantastic job and it's so yeah. good I feel like he's he's I think he deserves way more credit than he ever gets it's unfortunate because without his beats dude she'd be nothing she would never be she wouldn't be nearly as successful without his beats it's Man, like, like he does it all. It's, there's like dance beats, yeah. there's slow stuff, there's like trap stuff, but they're not annoying and like everything. He does it all, and it's so good, and it sounds so great. And it's on a cool like red variant. It's like a really vibrant red, so that's nice. Is it a twelve or ten inch? Uh, it's a twelve inch. Yeah. It's it's an EP, but it's 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 uh it's like eight. Is songs. it all on one side? No. Oh, it's eight songs. Oh shit. Yeah. Might as well be a full length then. Come on. Yeah. That's silly. That's yeah. silly. Eh. It's free. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, whatever. It must be nice, right? Yeah. All right. So that leads me to got? my pick of the week. And mm-hmm. going back to the Grateful Dead stuff, Mickey Hart um, or the Diga Rhythm Band. This is uh, the, the song I pick is called Tall Mala. This is from their self-titled album, 1976. And this is kind of like, this. this is technically his second solo album, but this was his first with a like percussive driven band rather or like rather than like a band this is just like percussion essentially mm-hmm. 
So that's what's good. I mean, that, that's why I bought this is because this didn't get that great of reviews either. Like a lot of people kind of shit on this. And I think, I think it's hard for drummers to even record and, and release a, a side project because you're a drummer. Like, what are you going to do? And this is yeah. like the perfect way to do it. It's like the best thing you could do. Just do a bunch of fucking percussive stuff. That's all you got to do. That's all I want. And uh, yeah, and th- this song is really fucking good. And th- this is one you got for me, right? The one you got for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Because this song is, is fantastic. So I'm going to play, uh, play a little bit of this one. It's a 12-minute song, but we'll just start from the beginning. Because why not? All 12 minutes. Here we go. Tall Mala from uh, Mickey Hart. Here we go. There it is, Talamala from Mickey Hart, the drummer from the Grateful Dead. One of and, the drummers. Oh, one of the drummers. Okay, I, I'm sorry. One of the drummers. Cause, <laughs> You're not a band unless you got multiple drummers. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> and you said this is his first record, right? It's it's definitely his second, but his first one was like a band thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's whatever's. But yeah, the, this one, uh, this yeah. one is this one is, is fantastic. Like I said, it's percussive driven. It doesn't rely on any non-percussive in- instruments. Jerry Garcia is on the album, but mm-hmm. strictly as like background filler. Like in at no part on this album does he ever get like a solo, get the spotlight. How do you even have like a lead? He's there only to support the percussion. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Which is cool that he would even do it because I mean people love Jerry in the 70s, Jerry, Jerry <laughs> in the 70s. Like he's just so big, but I always, I always, I always think that Jerry was always pretty humble about everything, but whatever. It seemed like, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fantastic record. The beats get to breathe and they get to play and it's fun. And you know, this is, I mean, I'm a sucker for the xylophone, marimba, you know, vibes, whatever you want to call whatever instrument that they're playing. Cause they're all pretty much the same, but 
Dude, I, anytime I hear those come in, I'm just instantly hooked. I, I just, I love that fucking instrument. That's, I don't know what it is about that sound. Dude, that's like the best part of this song is towards the end, they have like it's a so slower good. xylophone or marimba playing and the percussion in the background is fucking lightning fast. It's just like <laughs> going super quick and it's like ding, 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 ding. So like oh. the contrast between the two is just so fun. And the other guy that's playing on this too, his name is Akir Hussein, and he's mm-hmm. he's like an Indian-born tabla player, moved to the U.S. in the early 70s when he was in his teens as a backing musician for Ravi Shankar and then ended oh, up no in shit. Frisco. And that guy's played with a ton, like John McLaughlin a lot. Like they they okay. they collabed a ton. And there's also this this other album that I really want to. It's called Planet Drum. It got shitty reviews also, but it's like a nineties album that Mickey Hart did and it just took a bunch of great percussionists or drummers from around the world and they made an mm-hmm. album that would focus each song would focus on that person's country of origin. Yeah. And then everyone else would kind of like go around it. So I'm super interested in that, but the more I get into like the Grateful Dead stuff, I feel like, dude, Frisco is just, Frisco is so trash now, but Frisco in the seventies, <laughs> man, it was probably so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. It must've been Damn. a whole different world. Just like all these bands, all these psychedelic bands that are just doing so much drugs and just having such a good time. Just the culture <laughs> in like the seventies was probably so cool in Frisco. Like what the fuck happened? What what did oh, you guys do to that city? They could have also they, they could have been cool back then, but it also could they could be the reason why it's in sh- such a shit state it's in now. No, because Grateful Dead would do a lot of like free shows for like local business owners or or mm-hmm. higher like the guy that that helped open the Fillmore, like he died at some point, and they did like fucking a weekend show or something like three hundred thousand people showed up, and it was, they just did it for free just to like help raise money for his family and shit. Fuck, that's wild. <laughs> so many fucking people. <laughs> God, I, I'll tell you, man. It's it's hard to pinpoint exactly. Like, I, I I can give a lot of reasons why I really like the Grateful Dead, but I I don't I don't really know why I love the Grateful Dead. I don't either. I I don't either. It's very bizarre. I, they're they're a cool band. It. They're a cool band, but your obsession just makes no sense to me. I just I, dude, even his obsession, really. I'm all into their side projects. I have so many side projects. I just bought two yesterday. I haven't even listened to them yet. <laughs> <sighs> I'm all in. Yes, unfortunately, you are. Yes. <laughs> all right. Is that all you got for the vinyls? Yeah, that's it for me. All right. So, get through mine real quick. Uh, this one, a lot of these, like half of these, I got from from you out in Arizona, and then uh, you sent them my way. Uh, via your mom so there you go uh the first one here is jay dilla and oh, donuts. Uh, know, yeah dalm donuts is his second and final record before he died uh he was he was a popular hip-hop producer back in the two, early 2000s uh, he died so this album came out three days before he died uh he died on february 7th or this album came out february 7th 2006 and uh and he was only 32 when he when he died and he had like he had a bunch of health issues like blood clots like he, he had he had a blood di- blood disease that pretty much gave him like massive blood clots and then he had yeah. lupus on top of it which is an autoimmune uh, disease which is really bad too and um <clears throat> when he recorded this record he did it all he did 29 of the 31 songs he did in his in his hospital room 
with a, a forty-five what? with a forty-five RPM record player and a, a sampler to get those beats off. So he he literally did almost this entire record in his hospital room, and he when he was because and he did, he did this the summer of two thousand five. So not even like maybe six months before he died. He did this all in his hotel, in his hotel, in his hospital room. He <laughs> refused to have anybody. He he didn't want anybody listening to what he was doing, and it was even to the point where like, I guess like his brother ended up sneaking in when, when he was doing dialysis, and listened to like one song, and he just just lost it. He was so pissed that his brother did something like that, like listen to one of the songs. So uh, just just the whole story behind it is is really tragic, and this this album isn't something I would normally like be into but when it came out or i started like pretty much like right when this record came out i started working at tower records and there were two guys there named sean and another guy named marlo and they were super into like conscious hip-hop underground hip-hop punk rock like just just really they were just super cool guys and one of them sean i still talk to to this day but uh yeah they were they were just obsessed with this record so pretty much every day i worked at tower records this album played at least once, at least once every day I worked at that store because the, and, and not only it wasn't just because of them, but everybody was coming in buying the CD. And so I, you know, that, that, that year that I worked there, I probably, I, I don't, can't even tell you how many times I'd listened to this record. So I have all <laughs> this like nostalgia with this record too, even though it's all instrumental, there's like no vocals on it at all. It's just beats. Like I think the longest song is like a little over two minutes and it's just fucking beats. That's it. That's crazy. It, it, it's wild. So it was so cool just having the vinyl and just like listening to it and just having, I don't know, it was, it was a cool thing and I'm stoked to have it. So how, yeah, how long is the I was never into it, but it was like 40 uh, minutes. I think it's like, I think it's like 45 minutes or something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not long at all, but That's a lot 31 of songs. songs though. It's a lot of songs, but yeah, like I said, they, they, the runtime is, is on average, it's like a minute 15, a minute 30. So they're short, but they're all beats. That's all they are. They're all beats, and that's it. But, yeah, nice. just reading more about the, the history of the record and, and, and all that, mixed with my nostalgia with Tower Records, it's, it was good. It was a good listen, and I'm totally stoked to have this. There you go. So there you go. So this other one I also <laughs> got from you, it's Nirvana. It's their greatest hits. Oh, yeah. So it, it, so it is a comp. Normally I don't get comps, but the song "You Know You're Right," you know you're right, is only on this this comp. One so, song, <laughs> one song. I know. I it's not I on any it. like forty fives or anything else. No, it was only ever released on this. Dude, it's and so I annoying. Actually, it's annoying too because when it, when I was in high school, I had of course I had all the Nirvana CDs and uh, and like bootlegs and shit and live live CDs I had, and then this came out and I had to buy it because. It was the one new Nirvana song was, you know, you're right. And then just like reading all the history on it or, or just like over the years, knowing the history of it and how uh, Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic wanted this song to be released years prior. But Courtney Love being the bitch that she is like was suing the band members because they, she was saying like they were going to tarnish Kurt's legacy and Nirvana's legacy by what? releasing this. Yeah, it was a huge shit show. And then originally Dave and Chris wanted to, to put this out like on a box set and like make this like a huge extravaganza and just like put all this unreleased material on there, but then have this be like the centerpiece of that box set showing this is the last recording from Nirvana, like official recording of Nirvana. 
but Courtney Love said, no, that's not going to sell well, so let's put it on one C- a one CD compilation, and that's why we have this. And, I mean, I agree with, like, a lot of other people that the song choices could have been much better or a lot more could have been added. Like, it could have easily been a double album of hits because they only took one song from Incesticide. They took one, or two, technically two songs off from Bleach, and then there's like four or five, or just the four the four hits from Nevermind, and then three hits from In Utero, and then two songs from Unplugged. So it's like, I don't know. It, it, it's a really shitty comp, honestly. That's what I thought was but, weird, was that it wasn't a double. Like, if it was a double, it would make it would make sense. But the fact that it wasn't a double, I thought was so dumb. It's very stupid. Like, this is and a band that so a, much fucking music. And it was clearly a cash grab from Courtney Love because two years later, they released that huge box set with with the lights out, which I have that too. And that's like four CDs. Maybe it was a five Damn. CDs. Four or five CDs. And it's literally just demos, uh, a few live recordings, like songs, not even like albums, just like a few live songs. It's pretty much just all unreleased stuff. That's all that is. And... And that's originally what Dave and Chris wanted to do was put it on, put this song on one giant box set like that. But Courtney said no because she probably saw the money in it and realized, oh, we could sell, we could sell twice as much if we do this one comp plus the box set two years later. I mean, that is kind of and like that's what happened. That that kind of be forewarned other people who are planning on making a band and becoming famous is don't. You know, make 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 like some type of mutual partnership. Like everybody has a say. Because if Courtney Love had more say than everybody else to put the kibosh on whatever they wanted, like that sucks. Like their girl and Chris had no no say in anything. But I mean, that's that just comes from being young and stupid. But well, it's also Kurt had most of the songwriting credits. Most of the songs were credited to solely just Kurt. So when after he died, his estate obviously went to Courtney. And so, you know, by law, I guess she has more she has more power than the two guys who were actually in the band because they didn't hold nearly as many songwriting credits. So I think you got to make your brand like a business. And then, I mean, you can still have more royalties than everybody else because of your songwriting credits. But if you make the brand itself like a business or your band a business, then I think. Dave Grohl and, and Chris would have had more of a say. But again, that's yeah. like who the fuck thinks of that when you're twenty something? Yeah. They, they were they were like twenty three, twenty four when he died. Or no, well Kurt was twenty seven. So they were all like, you know, mid twenties when uh when the band ended. Yeah. So it it's unfortunate, but you know, I I want to complete my my Nirvana collection and this is just one step toward that. And then eventually I'm gonna have to make the big purchase of the deluxe in utero because I will not buy in utero unless it's the deluxe. Because there are just way, so there are just way too many. No, there there are just way too. I, w- I was going over everything again this past week, and uh, and there just there are just way too many awesome songs on the deluxe to not have it. It's not like because like I thought about getting the Pinkerton one, the Pinkerton deluxe, but a lot of those songs I just I don't. They just don't do it for me, but. The Nirvana ones, I just, I gotta have them. I gotta have them. So then you can't even so. enjoy In Utero on the vinyls yet. Until, yeah, until I get Dang. the deluxe version. 
So we'll see when that when that happens. Or and then incesticide's fucking expensive too, which is fucking annoying. I was gonna say, or we'll see next time I buy some big lot and I see in utero for cheap, and then say, hey, do you want this for like 10, 15 bucks? Oh well, yeah, of course. Mm. And then so like incesticide that that record, on average right now it's going for like fifty bucks plus Damn. shipping, which is annoying as hell. And then Glasshouse posted that they had one in in stock. Uh, last week it was, and it was like a clear variant. It was from the 2011 pressing, and uh, and it was I guess it was that was the first pressing since it came out. So I actually went to Glasshouse yesterday, and because I was in the area, so I stopped in, and they still had it there up on the wall, and it was 150 dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, this guy 150 dollars. <laughs> because because it, if I went in there and it was like 50 or 55, I would have I would have bought it like like right out there. I would have totally bought it. I even asked the guy, I was like, hey, I'll give you like 60 bucks for that. You offered the guy $60. (laughs) From 150, yeah. Come (laughs) on. I'm not going to pay more than $60 for incesticide. Come on. But like the glass house isn't known to like rip people off. And then here you are trying to lowball them. Well, I was already, I already bought some stuff. So I didn't, it's not like I just like went in there and asked him and then left. Fucking no soup for you. He should should have taken your records back and (laughs) gave you your money back and said, fucking you're banned one year. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I said it like in a joking way, you know. I wasn't like being a dick. <laughs> it was like one of those joking ways. But if you would have said yes, then you'd have been all excited. Oh, totally. Yeah, I would have been totally. <laughs> upset. But yeah. Anyway, so so let's move on. That, that Nirvana thing went on way longer than I thought. Uh, no effects. I picked this one up from probably like one of the worst record stores I've ever been in, and uh, I t- it was a Sounds of Music. That's what it was called in East LA. A terrible fucking place. Um, and this is the only thing that was worth buying and it's no effects and their album punk and Drublick, their fifth record came out in 94. Uh, we've talked about no effects extensively and this album's, this album's killer. So I got it for 19 bucks. So that's not bad. That's not bad. Sealed copy, sealed copy. So not complaining other than that, this, I mean, anybody who doesn't live in Southern California, dude, East LA is just. I was blown away how disgusting that it was there. It was just, <laughs> it was so terrible. Like, uh, just filth, dude. Just, it was. Yeah. It, it's sad. It's just like fucking sad. I don't know. I, I, I hated being there, but whatever. So, um, the next thing here, I got this from you. ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Third record from 76. Uh, I think it was last from Bon Scott, right? From what I remember when we did this album on the pod. Like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So, I mean, it, this is probably the only ACDC record I'll ever buy because it has the two songs, I my two favorite songs from them. So I'm pretty much good from here on out. So I'm glad yeah. I have it. Um, next thing, also from you, Motley Crue. Girls, girls, girls. Ah. For, fourth record from 1987. And uh, I really dug this one. Much better than Poison much better than poison (laughs) there's a lot of you can hear a lot of blues influence on the guitar of course there's like some ballad moments and some cheesy stuff but overall it was a it was a solid fun listen through i I mean if you can find it for like 10 15 bucks i I recommend you get it it's good it's it's a solid record i don't think i've ever even seen motley Crue in the wild even like new copies yeah i never i've i think i've maybe seen a new copy twice ever (laughs) Yeah, just never do it. Never, never seen him. Okay, well, I mean, you you speak pretty highly of this, so if I see it for well, like I mean, ten bucks, I'll I'll keep it. Ten bucks, it's worth it for sure. But it's good stuff. 
Uh, and the, the guitar playing is really what I. It's not like, like just super technical or super crazy. It's just like solid guitar playing. And there's I I don't know I really liked it. I like his guitar tone a lot on it. It's just he has a very kind of loose way of playing, and it's just very groovy and kind of just very bluesy. And it just it's a weird it's a weird combination with like what the rest of the band is doing so it's it's cool it's definitely cool uh this next one i got from a local store white rabbit here in fullerton and uh i, I went in there just did a deep dig spent like two hours there just going through Damn. everything because i haven't been i haven't been there in like probably four or five months so i just and i know that that he like he did like an overhaul of the store because before it was just like dude you, it was just like not a lot of good stuff there anymore but then lately he's just been doing a lot of, you know, buying more and just doing more with the store. So I was going through everything. And at the end of it, I had like six records. I was, I was about to buy and I'm like, Hey, so I'm getting into psych rock. I'm getting more into like, what would you recommend? Cause I, I knew he like like he's big into psych rock and he's like, Oh shit. Right here on the, on the wall right here. <laughs> this is like, it was so weird how it happened. He's like, this is the gateway to psych rock. This is what everybody uses who wants to get into that the genre of music and it's called a uh, nuggets original artifacts from the first psychedelic era. And it's from, it's only bands from 1965 to 1968 or 69. But yeah, it's, it's a double LP. And, uh, th- this, this comp was released in 1972. Every, ev- it there's different, every song is a different band. And, uh, it's just like the best of the best of those, those years. And it was really cool. I mean, I, I enjoyed it every song the the big ones that stood out were the electric prunes which i had heard and the amboy dukes who I had heard of because of ted nugent and uh and it was really cool and it, it was it was this pretty much assembled by this guy named lenny k who originally wanted it wanted it to span over eight lps but the label that he was going to put it out on said no that's not really like you know a good, that's not a good idea let's just do like a two two lp comp and that should be the the best thing and that's eventually what they did damn four lp would have uh, been so cool no it would have been eight lp oh my god that would have been so awesome it was it, he he wanted to do an eight lp <laughs> comp in, in 1972 when it was released and apparently the, like this is like one of the earliest or first publications on a record where the term punk rock was used so that's oh, pretty cool very interesting cool little bit of history but yeah the, the guy at white rabbit he was i mean i trusted his his recommendation because he's he's never really done me wrong like he was the one who got me into exotica and and martin denny like he was the guy who told me about martin denny and it's like i trusted his 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 recommendation and knowing that that he was like he loves psych rock i trusted him and, and it worked out so and it was like 14 bucks so was for this awesome comp yeah for this awesome comp and it was just so weird he's like oh yeah right behind me is this comp Dude, like he'd been waiting for someone to ask him <laughs> It was so weird. It was <laughs> so weird, but it was super cool. And then, yeah. So he, he's a cool dude. So White Rabbit Record, White Rabbit Records, in Fullerton, California. Uh, next thing I have here is from another shitty record store that I found <laughs> in Montebello. Uh, I did a I did a deep dig in this one in this record store. It's called Jungle Records or Record Jungle. I don't fucking remember. It was a terrible record store. <laughs> fuck. I spent I spent like an hour and a half. I don't give a fuck. I spent like an hour and a half there. And I only found one record and it was John McLaughlin and his record extra extrapolation. 
I'd never heard of this record, uh, but I, it was like $6. So I, I picked it up. <laughs> $6. And, yeah. And I'm like, okay, John McLaughlin, six bucks. I, can't go wrong. So this is actually his, his debut record. His debut solo record came out in 1969. And they actually actually released it. On, they, it was only released in England and I think like one other country in 1969. And then it wasn't released in the U.S. until 72 after Mahavishnu had blown up in 71. So... And this is all, uh, this is all like straight up jazz. Like there's no, it's not like jazz fusion. It's not like anything crazy like that. It's just a straight up jazz record. And it is so, so good. <laughs> I, I was so impressed. I just, I just wasn't expecting it. After hearing so much Mahavishnu, I was just not expecting this at all. And I was so blown away by it. But I do want to say that the record store I went to really pissed me off because I go in there before I go in, I look through the window. It's like four or five dudes in there. None of them were, were wearing masks. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, how things are, are, are in California, you don't have to wear masks. So I walk in, I start talking to the guy, and they're, and they're like filming. So I don't even remember what they were filming for, but they're like filming stuff in the store. I was talking to them for a couple minutes. I'm like, hey, yeah, I don't want to get in your guys' shot, you know, so I'll just, I'll shop around you. He's like, yeah, that's cool. And then like two or three minutes in, the fucking girl who works there comes up to me. She's wearing a mask. And she's like, uh, can you wear a mask, sir? Or do you have a mask? And I said, yeah, do, do, do I need to wear one or should I wear one right now? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you, you need to wear one. And then so then all five of the guys working on the film crew are like, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't know. She's like, no, you guys are fine. You guys don't have to wear one, oh, but you have to wear one. idiot. I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> like, like way to I'm, make your customer feel like a total <laughs> fucking asshole. As I'm about to go through thousands of records, spend an hour and a half of my day there, and go through thousands of records. It's just like, dude, like it's so, it's just, there's no logic behind any of that. And it was just, I was so just irritated. And then, you know, spending all that time there and finding, finding one record after digging real long and hard for that. Well, at that point, like you're already mad anyway. So like, even if you found a record that you liked, but the price point wasn't exactly there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have picked it up because you're all mad. True, yeah. That's, that's all I get. I get all mad. Like, I don't fucking buy this. It was just, it just, it, none of it made any fucking sense. None of it made sense. So, whatever. Yeah, that's rude. That was annoying. But anyway, John McLaughlin, Extrapolation, uh, debut record. Get into that. Uh, this one I got from you, David Gilmore. I got his debut record from May 1978. Uh, this is really good. It's not very Pink Floyd-esque. It doesn't have a lot of the big atmospheric stuff. It's more rock and almost, I don't even want to say blues driven, but it's a little bit more rock driven. Uh, a lot more guitar playing than than Pink Floyd, which relies a lot on keys and, and, and stuff like that. So it was good. I, I really love this record. I thought it was fantastic. So I'd recommend it to anybody out there if you haven't heard it already. Uh, this next one, you also got for me, Paul McCartney's debut record came out in 1970. Uh, you said you hated it. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but it's pretty stupid. Dude, it was it was so good. This is like <laughs> what I would have So I I liked it so much and then when I when I read more about this record, he released this record right when Let It Be came out and this is like he was like in a very depressed state because the Beatles were kind of ending and John Lennon had left the band kind of without letting other the other guys know. So it was like a shitty time in his life and he put this out and it's like the complete opposite of what they were doing on Let It Be and especially the White Album, which is not a very good record because it's so much more stripped down. Like it's just like, it's just, it's very much just like him in the studio 
and not worrying about what like what anybody else wants him to do. So he doesn't have like this big production, he doesn't have this big wall of sound and this the extravagance that the Beatles had toward the latter part of their career. And it just it just I don't know. I, I thought this record was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was, I actually it was have amazing. another copy that I'm like it's in my cell pile. They have another copy of that. I thought it was fantastic. Maybe I'll listen to it again because I. I mean, McCartney's my favorite member of the band. I think he has one of the greatest voices of all time. I've always loved his voice. That's and his songwriting. His 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 songwriting on this record is is amazing too. Like I, I'm sorry. I just it's it's great. It's a great record. So get into that. Okay. What I paid like two dollars for it. (laughs) Yeah, it was like nothing anyway. So. Uh, the next one here, also from you, Jimi Hendrix, Band of Gypsies, live record from 1970. Uh, it was the only, like, it's kind of like, it's a live record, but he only really made it to, like, get out of certain contractual agreements right before he died. And it was just, it was kind of a mess of a record. It was recorded over two nights at the film at the Fillmore East, and it was with, with his band, the Band of Gypsies, and uh, it was fucking great. It was so good. Do you have this record? Yeah. It's really good, right? It is really good, yeah. It's fucking amazing. So, I mean, if you never heard it, go listen to it. Because he only has like, Hendrix only has three records, plus this live record. That's like really official, you know? I mean, his live stuff is just, it's it's beyond better than his studio stuff. Anything he does live is, is great. But it's because he has such a really rad like rhythm band like backing him up. So, like Buddy yeah. Miles, the drummer, like he's so fucking good. And when they get mm-hmm. together, they make some really, really good music. Uh, so I got three left, including my pick. So I'm almost done. Mm. Dick Dale. Got this one from White Rabbit as well. It was a good man. haul that day. It was a good haul that day. Uh, Dick Dale, King of the Surf Guitar. His second record came out in 1963. If you don't know, Dick Dale is literally the king of surf guitar. He's, he's one of the most influential guitar players of all time. And we've talked about him extens- pretty extensively on the pod over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fantastic. So, you do, wait, you don't have this one, do you? No, it's it's on my fucking list. It's the last one on my list of of Dick Dale. Well, I mean, it wasn't like it was. I didn't get like a great deal on it. It was like twenty two dollars, I think. Um, yeah, that's uh, you would pay. You would actually pay that much. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I didn't think you would. I really didn't think you would. I paid twenty five for his first album, and that was out here. That's wild. You're not going to oh, find shit. his first one for anything cheaper than 25. Tell you that much for sure. Okay, we'll see. Might find a cheap pair here. But uh but anyway, it it's really good and get into that. Uh Stray Cats, this one I got from you, their album Rant and Rave, third record oh, Rant uh, from Rave. 1983. This was really good. I've always been a fan of Brian Setzer and Stray Cats. I've always liked everything I've heard from them. And this this album was just I, I listened to Dick Dale first and I was like, I want to keep it kind of in that that surf SoCal or that just kind of like style. And so I put on Stray Cats after Dick Dale and it was just like this awesome, great transition uh, between the bands. And dude, Brian Setzer is such a sick guitar player. I always forget about him. I always forget about the guy, but the stuff with Stray Cats was great. That album is so damn good. And the way they incorporate like a lot it of is. like the, the, the saxophone and the piano and other shit that's in there, it's not mm-hmm. dumb. Like it, it, it blends perfectly into like the rockabilly, but also a very rock and roll sound and coming out like when it did in like the early eighties for sounding so like hard and so heavy. Yeah. 
but still keeping with the like the classic rockabilly style they just did it so well they really did so got that one from you and then the last thing here i got from white rabbit this is um that day I was there, I gasped twice, <laughs> but this is the biggest gasp of them all. This was the one that just, I couldn't believe I found it. And it's from this band called Golden. Uh, it's the album Apollo Stars. Uh, this band is, they started in 1993. They're from Ohio. They kind of, their last record, which is Apollo Stars, came out in 2002. And uh, the drummer is John Theodore, my favorite drummer of all time from the Mars Volta, Queen of the Stone Age, all that stuff. Uh, he, this is this is one of his bands that he was in before the Mars Volta, and uh, and I've always been a huge fan of the band. This is this hasn't been my favorite record of theirs ever, but seeing one in the wild for five dollars, I was <laughs> I, I I I was flicking through all the records. I was I was because he he recently put up like a five dollar thing, a five dollar bin of like just probably six or seven rows of five dollar records. So I was just like going through them really quick. And then this one, I just, I recognized that, that album cover and I stopped, I went back and I went, and I went, <gasps> I, I fucking gasped, I gasped and I went, Oh fuck. And then I took it out and it was marked down from 20 to $5. Damn. And so I was, I was so stoked. I was just so fucking happy. What a, what I, a feeling. I, what a feeling. <laughs> it was. And, and the other record, which I haven't listened to yet, but the other record that I gasped at was a Johnny Smith record. Cause I don't see his records very often in the wild. He's, I don't come across him very often, but th- this this golden record, man, I just, dude, I was so happy. That's like one of those first times thing I did when like, I came like, home. I listened to it. Like, like on your way home, you you order a pizza, so by the time you get home, it's it's there, and then you don't share it at all, and then you listen to the record like multiple times and eat the pizza all by yourself because you're just so stoked. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> well, I, I didn't eat pizza when I got home, but I was definitely very happy. So. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's leads to my pick of the week, and it's the song called Vitamin G, off of this record, Apollo Stars. None of their stuff is on Spotify or Apple Music. You got to resort to Bandcamp or YouTube. But even this album, it's not even on their Bandcamp. It's only on YouTube. But uh, yeah, here's here's Vitamin G from Golden.
There it is. Vitamin G from the band Golden with John Theodore, the greatest drummer of all time. What did you think of this one? You think it was just okay? The first time I listened to it, I I was kind of like disappointed that the vocals came in. Yeah, I was like, that, yeah. that's like my least favorite part. Like, ah, that's kind of weak. Like, I wish they would just shut up. But the second time I listened to it, I liked it a lot more. I like I like the vo- I mean the instrumentals are just I mean that's just perfect. But like the vocals, I thought matched like the the kind of like experimental thing that they were going they they got going on there. Yeah, and I like it. It was it was tight, very tight. It's very yeah. That the rhythm section is dude. I, I don't know. I just think. They're like this really cool combination of like funk and math rock. Yeah, like that's what in it Like is. with a little bit of jazz. And it's just, it's just this trippy kind of stuff. I mean, this wasn't even like their best record. They, they have, uh, what is it? Oh my God, what is that fucking record called? Anyway, they, they, a few other records are much better than Apollo Stars. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just totally stoked I have this. And for $5, like what the fuck? I mean, I never so would have, I never would have known what this is, but now that I know what it looks like, and then I looked at their other album covers, what they look like, like that's something I will keep an eye out for now because it, this is kind of like jazzy in its kind of like delivery, right? Like the the vocals yeah. kind of like beatnik style and just kind of reading rather than like a singing, yeah. and that's 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 what I didn't like at first, but now I do, I do enjoy that. I feel like if if you're going into this band thinking they're going to sound like the Mars Volta or be like chaotic like the Mars Volta, you're going to be disappointed because they're they're just so far removed from that. It's but it's I, this band is great. It's definitely still kind of chaotic, but it's not flamboyant. It's more subtle. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Mars yeah. Volta, like you like the moment you listen to them, you know they're chaotic. But this was like it took you a minute to realize like what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking wild. It's good though. It was really good. <laughs> I was I was very mm-hmm. surprised. It's weird that we both yeah, picked John- like drummers as our weekly picks too. That is wild, huh? Yeah, it's cool though. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. So if anybody out there, if you ever see a golden record, pick it up. If you ever see the band Him, not the not the shitty Him band from Finland, but the jazz Him band, pick that up too because John Theodore played on like two or three other records. Uh, before he was on the Mars Volta, and those are pretty solid records too. So, but those are more j- like jazz based than anything else. So, and those are all instrumental. So, get into that Ooh. stuff. Golden and him. So, even it's funny because even like Bam Margera called out the jazz band him as being like bullshit and a bunch of pussies. What? Because he was yeah. Like I don't. It wasn't CKY. It was. I saw some video, and he was he was talking shit on the band him, uh, the the jazz band him from like Chicago which is where I think they were, where they where they're from and he was saying like they they're getting confused w- for the the Finland band him and he was pissed about it I I really hope like the Finland band him reached out and told Bam like dude you need to chill like that band's really good <laughs> Shut well, I mean, up. the 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 jazz him they're not like amazing or anything like that but they're good it's just it's good and John Theodore played on two records. So right. anyway, right. anyway, anyway, that's all I got. That's it. That's all I got for the vinyls. Uh, so then let's get into some new music and, uh, and some other happenings in the music world. Mm. All right. So some new album releases or only really one that I thought was significant is Muse. They they actually are 
they've remastered and remixed their second record, Origin of Symmetry. And I did listen to each song side by side, and there's a huge difference in the sound uh, from the original to the updated one, which I was really surprised by because normally like a remaster, you rarely ever hear anything, any difference. Maybe it's like a little bit louder, but that's about it. But this is like truly like a remixed, remastered album. Damn, I cannot believe kind of cool. you listened to that multiple times. It was cool. Crazy. It was cool. So get into that if you're interested. Uh, some new songs. Our boys in Angels and Airways, our boy Tom, he they, they put out a new song called Restless Souls. Uh, this is coming off of their, this is going to be on their new record called Life Forms, which comes out on September 24th. Uh, you and I both got some vinyl. We pre-ordered some of the vinyl, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And signed vinyl, by the way, too. And so we got that coming our way. And I think there's only like one, maybe two variants left that you could still buy. So go go get that if you haven't already. Get into that. Uh, the four songs that are from this record are really good. I'm not going to play them because just just being a little a baby about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so 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 get into the new Angels and Airwaves. It's actually very good. I don't know why you're I don't know why you're acting the way you are, but that's fine. Um, Less than Jake put out a new song called "Need Some Shaking." What do you think of this one? I or actually, what would you think of Angels and Airwaves first? I didn't even. It was good. About asking. I, I had no problems with it. I um. I'm really excited for this vinyl. I think it's a great it's a great variant. I think the packaging is amazing. I think for the price, you get a lot for it. So that yeah. that side of it, I'm really, really excited for. I'm also really excited that a lot of the variants are selling out because I did buy two. So I bought two as well. Wait, why'd you buy two? Well, because I wanted to get the, the, the limited run of 300. And then, because the first one I was going to get was the limited run of 100. And I missed out on that. So then I got the run of 300 which is like a clear with like a color splatter. And then I got a run of 500 uh, and it's the, the green, orange and black one. But why'd so you buy two? Th- those, Cause I wanted to. Cause I you, might sell one. Oh, I doubt it. That's why <laughs> I bought signed. two they're, is cause I want to sell signed. one at least for yeah. 50% of its worth. So that way my $30 record only cost me $15 and that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care, whatever. But yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. I'm ha- I'm 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 excited for this, but I don't know if I'm really excited for this or if it's just I, I'm now that we're into vinyl and I'm finally jumping on board with Angels and Airways vinyl pickups. So I don't know. I don't know. But the song was good. I like it. You're. I I just know you would regret it because I know I know you regret know. not getting Wooden Toe. I do, and I know you regret not getting the the acoustic EP as well. I do. So. Wouldn't tell for so sure. We, I regret. Got, we got this coming. Yeah, wouldn't. Oh, dude, that was so good. I have regrets on that. I love one. to. I love to bring it. I love to bring it out to Arizona every time I go, mm. so we could listen to it. Just, just to know that that <laughs> you're a little bit upset. Just to rub it in a little yeah. bit. At least it sounds but, really good and it's beautiful. So that's all right. So nice. So uh, less than Jake put out a new song. Like I said, uh, it's called "Need Some Shaking." This one is coming from a, a split that, d- that they're doing with a band called uh, Kill Lincoln. So that's up for pre-order. That's shipping out July 1st. Still hasn't sold out. So what would you think of this one? Are you going to get this 7-inch? I don't know yet. I really like this song. I think the song was really good. It's it was good. It was solid. True to form, but it wasn't just like stereotypical Lesson Jake. It was it was like really, really good. It kind of blended some old punk ska stuff that they've been doing and then like a lot of their popper, poppier stuff. So Popper stuff. Popper stuff. Popper stuff. So I was, I, I really, I actually really, really like the song. 
But I don't know if I'll buy the seven inch because one, I don't like buying seven inches that much. Yeah, so. that's true. And this is twelve bucks before shipping. Yeah. So yeah, for one song and then another song from a band you've never heard of. Yeah, that's not for me. That's like the biggest deal breaker was the Kill Lincoln. But I mean it's only twelve dollars. Yeah. It's not that expensive and it's a cool variant. So I don't know what'll happen. I don't know, Jerry. I don't know, Jerry. Okay, so the the last new song here is from Newfound Glory. We're keeping it pop punk, I guess. Uh, the song is called The Last Red Eye. This is coming from their deluxe version of their latest record, Forever and Ever. But uh, yeah, this is going to have six additional songs on the deluxe, and it's actually going to be called Forever and Ever Times Infinity and Beyond. And it's also coming out, not only the six additional songs on, on a double LP, but also the, it's coming up with a, coming out with a zine, like a 24-page zine or something like that. So it's pretty cool. I, it's it's a cool idea. I'm not huge on Newfound Glory anymore, but this song was cool. It was it was a good pop punk. So what do you think? I, th- I thought it was great. I thought the last album was was pretty good too. There's a couple songs on their last album that were really good, and like greatest of all time is like one of their best songs now. I think it's fantastic. But really, dude, it's so good. But I, I mean, this hmm. song this song was really good too. But I don't have their last album, so I don't I don't foresee myself buying this one. But if I saw their their, okay. their newest album on like fifteen bucks, I'd buy it. But it's always like twenty, twenty four. That's too much. Yeah, fifteen for a newfound glory isn't bad. If you were to find it for that cheap. I mean if it was like sticks and stones or something, I'd be paying a little bit more. That's another one I slept on too. <laughs> or if it was the self titled, mm. you know. Oh no, no, no that, that wait, that is sticks and stones. Wait, what am I thinking? Yeah, yeah never mind. Thinking Forget of what I'm bo- saying. Okay, so there's that. Uh, so that that's it for new music and stuff. So uh, this just came out today, uh, ending this on a downer, I guess. But you know, oh no, there's two things left. So one, two bad things in two days. <laughs> Yesterday, Fieldy from uh, the band Corn announced his hiatus from the band, uh, indefinite hiatus, and uh, to deal with some personal issues, drug habits, I assume. That's what what he hinted at. So the last time a band member went on hiatus from Corn, they never returned. They were never asked to rejoin the band, even though that he wanted to return. So we'll see how that goes. It was David, the original drummer. Oh. When he when he left in two thousand seven, he tried to come back, and they pretty much ignored all of his calls and emails, and that was it. And then there's been like lawsuits since then, and all kinds of issues. Damn, so, that sucks. Yeah, he he wanted to take a break because from the, all the extensive touring, the recording, the the drug use at the time. Dude, but like, Philly's and been there for so fucking long for them to do that Philly's to him. That's fucked. If they if, do that. if they were to do that, if, to yeah, him, yeah, if they do that. But also, David had been in the band for thirteen years at that point, fourteen years at that point. So he was in the band a long time too until he went on his hiatus. Uh, who knows? Who knows at this point? And didn't they let the other guy back? the The guy that like was born again. Head, yeah, they left him. Head, yeah, head, yeah, head left in 2004 and he came back in 2013, 2012. I was picking and choosing, yeah, so it sucks. But hopefully, Fieldy comes back because he is like he's such an important part of the band. His style of of playing is so unique to himself, for better or worse. You know, some people love it, some people hate it, but it is unique to him. So, okay, yeah, Fieldy Mm -hmm. uh, on hiatus from corn. And the last thing here, Mark Hoppus. This one, I can, I was shocked, but 
he announced today on his on his socials that he has cancer and he's been going through chemo for like two months now it's wild yeah and then he posted a picture of him he posted a picture of him in a chair doing chemo with like no you could tell he has no hair but he has a hat on but yeah it's fucking i did not expect that at all but yeah this is he didn't say exactly what it was but sad this is like one of those i don't know like like don't always get I don't feel bad for celebrities not because I, I hate them or anything I just don't know them so I don't feel bad for them or anything like that but seeing Mark Hoppus like that is like seeing like a family member because of how big Blink was in our lives growing up even still like mm-hmm. today like we were just talking yeah. about this too like last week it's like <laughs> we, we talk about Blink every I know. fucking week <laughs> I, we were like just talking about how like we essentially are like Blink is part of our family because of how much we've listened to them throughout the years and how much they've changed and then we change and then we love or hate the way they change and it's it's so bizarre yeah. to be so attached to somebody that you don't even know and and Mark Hoppus is I mean he you know he's an emotional dude so <laughs> to see him so vulnerable is uh, and then then you know to to him acknowledging that he's scared and he's vulnerable it's it's frightening it is and him saying that made me even feel even more worried because it's like normally people don't say that no you don't want people to know that you're vulnerable and scared and for him to say that it almost makes me think like it might be worse than i don't know maybe i maybe i'm being negative well that's just i mean that's just our minds running as fast as they possibly can because like dude this i hate using the word like idol but mark hoppus is kind of like an idol he's just yeah like he's fucking he's so big He's so cool. Yeah, in our world, definitely, yeah. So we ended that on a side note. Yeah, so, so. that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so stay tuned for the main ep- or for for the remainder episodes because we're getting into the yes record, fragile. But we're also going to rank their first nine records, the John and the the traditional John Anderson era of the band. So um, so yeah, go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinai Radio. Thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. Good job.